Thank you. Thank you. As I said earlier, the, the uh, topic is signs of hope for those of you that take notes. Any note takers? Okay, I won't go too fast. But a little PowerPoint on the back will be helpful as well. I take notes because I find that writing down things that God speaks to me that through the course of the week, I can't remember. Sometimes, even when you buy, um, let's say, if a CD or whatever, and you hear it, you hear things that you didn't hear at that moment, but it's always just right on time. And so, um, for those of you that do, then, then the PowerPoint will help you. The scripture, everyone can turn to Genesis 12, 1 and 2, very familiar passage for you. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. That's a wonderful promise. Next one. Next slide. So with all of that promise, this is what happened. First, God gave the promise that he would make him to a great nation. Abram was about 75 years old when that message was given to him. Then many, many years passed. And when you think of years passing, when you think of your own years passing, a lot of things happen in those years. So when you say years passed, and if your mind still allows you to remember some of those highs and lows, you know that years passed means a lot. In the passing of that time, he experienced severe famine, he experienced separation from his nephew. He experienced war. Then God spoke again. This time God said, don't be afraid. I am your shield and great reward. And he also told him to count the stars. So shall be your offspring. This was the first sign of hope. Next, he continued to believe. Even though he believed, and you know the story well, he still stepped out of God's plan. He stepped out of God's plan with Hagar. But yet, right before then, it says that he believed and God counted it as his righteousness. Going on, God came back and confirmed his covenant and said, I will greatly increase your numbers. Now, but between point A and point E are almost 25 years. Sometimes we think things are right around the corner, and it's not when the promise comes. The next one, he had various trials and tests. Sodom and Gomorrah was in that part. Lot's rescue again. There was more deception. Lots of life happening. The next one, the first part of the promise finally came when he was 100 years old. After that, more tests, more life, and then finally, Years later, the covenant was fulfilled through his seed. He left a legacy of perseverance. First important thing to remember when we hear God speak of what we should be doing is Christianity 101, I call it. The promise is never a one-step plan. That's why I put it all out there so you could see. That represented a lot of years. It's never a one-step plan. It's always a process. And we don't like the process. It doesn't line up with what our heart's desire is. But yet in the process is where God is working his will. Because in the process of the highs and the lows 
is where we begin to change. So the question becomes, in that process, in the, in the promise that he gave him, is it okay when I know the promise, but yet it doesn't look like that? Is it okay to ask God a question? Is it okay to question him about what he said? I've heard some people say, well, you shouldn't question God. But that almost becomes like the parenting that sometimes we do. I don't, you never did this, I'm sure. Do it because I said so. Thank God that he does not say that to us, right? But the way that he answers our questions sometimes becomes very unique. So God, um, Abraham's question to God was, but how can I know for sure that this will be mine? That was his major question. God said, go and get a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now, as I was studying that, um, and what was really interesting uh, when Pastor Chuck called, I, I said, this is really interesting because three weeks ago I wrote a message and I turned and I said to my husband, I don't know why I wrote this message. I no one calls me to speak. And I wrote a complete message, titled it and everything, and said to him, well, that's just really interesting. So when he called, this message was already written and I had already enjoyed doing it versus sometimes if someone asks you to do something and you have to prepare for it and it's the midst of everything, then you feel very frazzled. Rather, I had already said and enjoyed um, where this message was taking me and what God was speaking. So as I was studying, I had time that particular day that I was writing to allow my mind to take me where I believe God needed it to go rather than me being frantic about, hurry up God, we gotta get this done because I have other things to do. And so it was very interesting where I went to. I thought, okay, what is the significance of these things that God asked him to gather? A turtle dove? What exactly is a turtle dove? Sing it with me, you know it. On the first day of Christmas my true love gave to me Two turtle dove. You've been singing that for years. And you do not know what a turtle dove is either, do you? <laughs> that was my thought exactly. So all of a sudden I started thinking, what in the world is a turtle dove? So I'm gonna tell you, of course. So you've heard it, you heard it in that song, you've heard it in different places. And I had heard it in this particular scripture, was not familiar with it, but I heard it, and it came from Psalm 55 in verse 6, when David said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, right? He was speaking of the turtle dove. Then I would fly away and be at rest. So then I went and I wanted to read Psalm 55, one through six, if you can turn there really fast. It says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. So again, though David was not posing a question, he was, you know, saying, I need, I need to hear from you said, hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught at the voice of the enemy, at the stares of the wicked, for they bring down suffering upon me and revile me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death assail me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Ever been there? I said, oh, that I have wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. In other words, he was looking for the way of escape. So what I recognize about the turtle dove is the fact that it was a dove of message. It brought a message that said, rest, 
is coming your way. Peace is coming your way. There's another time that the Bible significantly talks about that turtle dove, and you know that one very well too. Noah. He sent out the dove. How many times? Three times he sent out the dove. The first time, the dove came back with nothing and came back really soon, really quick. The second time the dove was sent out, it came back with an olive branch. Have you ever wondered why you see the dove and the olive branch together? That was the significance that there's green land somewhere. That was his sign of hope. The third time, the dove didn't return because the earth was dry and he could go. That meant your trial, your test is about to be over. All through the signs of a dove. Very same thing, very same animal over when God's talking to Abraham and asking him to get the animals. So both Abraham and Noah knew that in order to understand the signs, though, they had to spend time with God. Sometimes God is speaking to us, but we don't recognize it. We don't recognize his voice because we're not spending the time. He's always speaking. We need to be clear and understand what it is that he's saying. When he said, look up and count the stars, that was the sign to Abraham that said, keep going. When Noah saw the dove return with a green leaf, that was his sign of hope. It was every time God gives tangible ways in which we can know that he's speaking to us and that we're on the right path. I remember going to um, do something on one of the campuses one day, and it was really, really crucial. I needed a miracle for that day. And I did not know how that situation was going to turn out. But I was just like, Lord, I'm going to go. And when I got there, the person that I needed to see, they told me that he wasn't in. You ever get that? Oh, they're not in. Come back, whatever. But I refused, and I spent three hours there. But I didn't just sit in the seat and wait. What happened was I got a text from someone. They had no idea where I was or what I was doing. And that scripture said, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles, right, on and on. Every time I went to that parking meter and put more money in, not knowing if that person, when they came back, was still going to say, I can't see you, just go away, miss. I kept quoting that scripture. God always gives us an answer, but we have to recognize what that answer is and be able to apply it even in the midst of, that's, three hours is a long time, a very long time, but I remember being strengthened every time and talking to myself because of the scripture that had been sent. So whenever God speaks, though, his plan usually requires action followed by more clarification. There's always action. There's always action. And this is where we get mixed up because sometimes the action doesn't match what we thought it was going to look like. In Genesis, when Abraham asked God, how could he know for sure that the things that he had spoken would come to pass? And when God asked him to get the animals, and he did, that evening, Abraham fell into a deep sleep. And when he fell into sleep, now God's, God's going to answer, right? God's talking to me. He fell into sleep and darkness came. Sometimes you can be doing the right thing, but yet darkness comes. You have to get clarification for that. We think when we're doing the right thing that it's always going to be light, and it's not. Sometimes darkness comes immediately. You can be in praise and worship. Sometimes it's like, wait, 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 what is that? I was worshiping God. It should all be peaceful. It should all be at rest. It doesn't happen that way. 
When he fell into this dark sleep and the overwhelming sense of darkness came to him, in deep sleep and the overwhelming darkness came, God spoke and he said, your descendants will be slaves in a foreign land for 400 years. Now God is still talking to him about the promise. He's not talking about anything new. Still this very same promise, the signs that I've given you along the way to tell you that you're doing the right thing. There's still darkness right now, but I'm going to explain it to you. So first he says, your people, the descendants, the ones I keep promising to you, they're going to go into slavery for 400 years. And they will work for those who oppress them. But later, they'll go free and with great wealth. So not just that they would go free, but they would go free with great wealth. In the midst of good news, bad news may come. I'm going to say that again. In the midst of good news, good things happening, bad news may come, but it doesn't mean the end. That's what we have to remember. So whether you're sensing the storm is coming or if it's here, there's five practical things I want to share with you right quick that you need to do in the midst of that storm, in the midst of coming out of that storm. Only you know what your storm is. I get so many calls through the week, so many calls, different people in different types of situations, different distress, from parents' health failing to children running away to on and on and on. That's just my list of phone calls. You can insert all of the, sh the distress that you see not only in people that you know, all you have to do is turn on the news, all the distress, all the things that are happening. How do you anchor yourself? How do you recognize the hope that God is sending your way? The signs of hope are the things that we need to see as a confirmation that we're heading in the right direction, that the work we're doing is right, that we're in the right season. The signs don't always look the way that they should. Like Abraham, number one. You have to allow God to give you a glimpse beyond your current circumstance. You can't get stuck in the what is right now. You have to keep in mind what is to come. What is the vision that God gave you? And you have to follow that vision no matter what it looks like along the way. Number two, you have to work the tools that God has given you in order to develop an overcoming mindset. I think that's crucial. When it says an overcoming mindset, that's not an easy thing to do. We're so used to who we are. We're so used to our thoughts. We're so used to our thoughts being the right thought. When God begins to try and alter the patterns that we have, it's a difficult thing. So it takes work to get your thoughts to line up with God, to recognize your incorrect thought patterns. And we have them every day, no matter how saved we are. We all have incorrect thought patterns. You can't change it overnight because it takes consistency. So when I say that I talk to myself, my daughter always says, oh my gosh, but you answer yourself too. That's the danger, right? But I'll say, but I'll be thinking something and we just, we, we do it naturally. We just follow whatever thought, whatever our thoughts are doing. And all of a sudden I'll say, wait, Veretta, what are you thinking about? What is that thought? Now, we don't think that way anymore. You need to alter that, right? She says, the problem is you're talking to yourself like in third person, you need help. But what I am doing is 
making myself aware that the thoughts that I'm having do not line up with the will of God and that I need to superimpose his will over my will because my thoughts are strong. Your thoughts are strong and they lead you. And so you have to recognize when they're incorrect. So, and sometimes we as believers, we try and take a shortcut by saying, well, I'll just quote a scripture. Like, um, like stand, stand, having done all, stand therefore. But in the midst of that scripture is a part that we miss, having done all. That means that there's something to do when we stand. We don't just say God told me and then we sit and wait for him to just supernaturally do what it is that needs to be done. There's a, there's a having done all. In other words, have you followed my plan? Have you followed the action that I asked you to get? The sacrifice that I asked you to do, have you done that? Because in doing the sacrifice and doing the things that he's asking you to do and following his action plan, that's how you are able to hear the next part of whatever it is that he has to say. So you have to do. What are the tools that you can use? Getting in the word every day is a tool. It's the only way you get to know him and begin to hear him clearly. It's a constant conversation with God. Surround yourself with people of wisdom who are doing kingdom business. Very, very important. If I could tell you, I mean, sometimes I'll get a call, why haven't you called me? Well, let's see, if you were doing what God needed you to be doing, maybe you wouldn't have time to be talking on the phone all the time. I can't say that, but I'm really serious about that. Sometimes we're doing so many things and we really, really need to be about kingdom business. All sorts of anointed messages and prayers out there, all sorts of tools. We have apps, we have computers, we have Google. It's easier than ever to research and study the word and to study anything like turtle doves. <laughs> okay, it doesn't, you don't have to go to an encyclopedia like we used to have to do in our day, your day. <laughs> But the tools have to become a habit. And only the sharpened tools can actually break up the hard ground, the, the hard ground inside of our hearts, inside of our, our thoughts. Only sharpened tools can do that. It's amazing to me how many believers don't know how to pray. They're uncomfortable praying. If someone comes in, you're believing, uh, people are believing that they would come and that they would receive salvation. And if you say, you know what, can you, say a prayer over this person for me, and oh, I don't know what to say. What is that? What is that? And, and, and are you a new believer, or you've known God for how many years, and you're still uncomfortable even offering a prayer? What does that say? So therefore, when the storm comes, what is your tool going to look like? Will you have it? Will it be a resource for you to use? And what is your benefit for the kingdom? Why are you here? Why are you here? Hard questions. You can't develop the proper tools, again, if you're spending too much time watching TV, social media, on the phone. They're good, but only in moderation because they also can be a serious distraction to you being prepared, to you being of service for the kingdom. You have to make the time to work the tools. Let me go on to three. Even in the midst of following God and knowing his clear plan, we're tempted to get off track when God's timing doesn't seem to line up with ours. Sarai was still childless until God, although God had made a promise, so she decided to give her maid 
to her husband. You know the story well, to her husband, because God wasn't moving fast enough. When we alter God's plan, because he isn't moving fast enough, it only creates more turbulence and only prolongs the journey. That's all that it does. Getting outside of God's will will always bring confusion, division, and distress. So how do we alter God's plan? I already said incorrect thought patterns. An incorrect thought pattern can also be when you find yourself always saying, I just can't win for losing. When you begin to link every fear together. Fears are real. The things that we encounter are real. But it's when you begin to link them and they become a chain that they begin to entangle you so that you can't move. But they're real. So you have to be careful of thinking, I just can't win. Everything's coming against me. Or he or she always is doing this. And this always, when you start using those sorts of words, you have to be careful because you're building a pattern there. Um, the other way that we alter God's plan is through non-action, being stuck. We worry. We can worry even when there's nothing to worry about. Have, have you ever done that before? I've done that. I've woke up and thought, why was I worried about that? There's no plans for that. There's nothing even on the dock. And I already was worried, just as a habit. Conferring with the wrong people, listening to others rather than listening to God, that can get you there. Complaining. We complain mentally even when we don't speak it. We find ourselves complaining. And I always, when I find myself complaining, I think blessings and cursings cannot exist in the same place. I'm blessed. I'm thinking about all that God has done, but at the same time, I'm complaining. I'm complaining about his people. I'm complaining about the time that it's taking. I'm complaining about they didn't follow the system. I'm doing all of that at the same time saying, thank you, Lord, for this vision. doesn't work that way. We have to arrest our thoughts of complaint. Blaming, criticizing, on and on and on. Those are words that we alter God's plan. In the midst of a good work, if we're complaining, it alters that work. The good news about a detour, though, is that if you turn around and begin following the signs again, you ultimately wind up, sorry about that twisted words there, you wind up at the correct point. Four, practice having an unoffended heart. That's a tough one. That's a challenge. But offenses will come and offenses will go. As long as you live on this earth, offenses will come and offenses will go. You just have to make sure that they don't take root down in your heart. And the way that you can know whether or not they've taken root in your heart, if you were mad about something last week and you feel that same intensity when you talk about it this week, it has taken root in your heart. And so you have to be very careful with those things. A sidebar just about forgiveness, and I do want to say this because sometimes people have experienced uh, really difficult situations is that forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. It's acknowledging the wrong, but makes a decision to release the, defender, the offender. You have to make that decision. And forgiving also doesn't mean the relationship will be and always remain the same. Sometimes God will say, I need you to alter that relationship and no longer be in that relationship. But that does not mean that you don't forgive. Five, be thankful. Be thankful. As we prepare for this Thanksgiving season, it's very important that we recognize why are we thankful. Why are we thankful? Sometimes we just throw things out and we don't really recognize all of what God has done, the signs that he's given us, just like he gave the pilgrims. 
When they reached land, they were very, very happy. That was their sign of hope. Then God sent the Indians who helped them learn how to do many things. And in that time, as a result of their thankfulness for what God had done, that's when Thanksgiving began. First, it was a three-day celebration. Then the second year, it was fasting. And then the celebration, for those of you who are concerned about those thighs, maybe add that little bit of fasting before we do the feasting um, that he read about earlier. But Thanksgiving was all about being thankful for what God had provided. So in the midst of the storm that you have, what signs has God given you? If you're on the other side of your journey and you've reached the land, how did God provide? What was his provision? Just like Abraham and Noah, the pilgrims were following what they believed was God's plan. Yet, even in following the plan, they experienced turbulence, sickness, and discouragement. So between Noah's time and Abraham's time was 2,500 years. So between Abraham's time and our time are thousands and thousands of years. But yet all the same, we all are looking for a word from God that says, continue what you're doing. You're on the right path. We're all just like them, still pressing to hit that mark, sometimes feeling good about what we did that day, sometimes feeling like we missed it, but we're still all on that journey and still moving forward. There's no difference at what we had to do to overcome. God gives us signs along the way to our path. His, his promises require sacrifice. They take our time, they take our talent, and they take our treasure, treasure, but it's a privilege and an honor to serve him in those ways because it all belongs to him anyhow. So finally, anticipate signs of hope along your journey. Look for it, prepare for it, um, be aware of your distractions, and stay faithful to what it is that God's asking you to do. I want to close out with just this final prayer. It says, Lord, winter does come, but even so, like the turtle dove, may our soul find its rest in you. And in this season, whichever one we're in, would you give us signs of hope, encouragement to stay the course and fight the good of fight of faith, trusting and believing that you will work everything together for our good. Remind us that whether we're in a season of darkness or in a season of light, you never change. You are always our God. Amen.